Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning again. Um, I want to begin this morning with a story. Um, It's a story that involves me because, I mean, you know, we tell stories about ourselves. And it's a story about uh, being at uh, Angel Stadium. It was like 1992 or 1993. Um, My son Andrew was just about seven years old, and we were at a Greg Laurie Harvest Crusade. And uh, our whole family was there. Um, At the time, we were not attending Long Beach Christian Fellowship. It was that long ago. And uh, the priest of the Anglican Church that we were attending in that season of of our faith life was there as well, and a lot of people. Also, there was my oldest daughter who had just had our first grandchild. Her husband was there. I was pretty clear that um, she was going to be giving her life to Jesus and walk down when they did that altar call that they always did at Harvest Crusades and still do. Um, And when that time came and she stood up with my grandson Daniel in her arms and her husband stood up with her and they started to walk down to the AstroTurf, our our seven-year-old had been pulling on my husband's leg. Dad, I want to go down. I want to go down. I want to give my life to Jesus. So now my husband is taking our son down, and I'm thinking, I have to go down too. I This is amazing, and God, you are so good. And I can remember walking down. You know, we were nosebleed, Angel Stadium, walking down, putting my, my foot, just one foot, onto that AstroTurf. I had my daughter who was like three-ish, three or four in my arms. And it was like I heard the voice of God. And I'm going to say that I don't know if it was the voice of God. I'm going to say, though, that everything in my heart believed that it was. And it is the one and only time where I ever believe that God said something to me audibly, even though I have asked him to speak to me that way many times since. But this is what I heard. I heard, I will restore your family. And that meant a lot for a lot of reasons. He made me that promise. That's how it felt. I felt like he had promised me something. So this morning, we're going to talk about Hebrews. And just um, in all the ways that Mary has already told us, you know, uh, this, this book is about faith and hope. And I'm going to read scripture. It's going to appear on the screen. So I'm going to invite you to read along. And there's something about standing up and reading scripture, saying the words out loud that are wonderful and amazing. And even though the heading says that it's Hebrews 11, 1 through 40, uh, and then 12, 1 through 2, we're only going to read pieces of that. So read along with me, please. Faith is the assurance of things you've hoped for the absolute conviction that there are realities you've never seen. It was by faith that our forebearers were approved. Through faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Everything we now see was fashioned from that which is invisible. You guys, 
in all the parts that I'm not going to read, in this particular version, which is the voice translation, it says faith or faithful 32 times. Receive that. And let's go back and begin with verse 13. All these I have mentioned died in faith without receiving the full promises, although they saw the fulfillment as though from a distance. These people accepted and confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on this earth because people who speak like this make it plain that they are still seeking a homeland. These, though commended by God for their great faith, notice we jump to verse 39, did not receive what was promised. That promise has awaited us who receive the better thing that God has provided in these last days so that with us, our forebears might finally see the promise completed. And then verse 12 goes on, uh, chapter 12 goes on to say, so since we stand surrounded by all those who have gone before, an enormous cloud of witnesses, let us drop every extra weight every sin that clings to us and slackens our pace and let us run with endurance the long race set before us. Now, stay focused on Jesus who designed and perfected our faith. This is the word of the Lord, profitable for us to hear, imparting meaning to us and for us in this present age in our lives today, now. May it be so through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Amen and amen. I'm 72. The promise that was made to me so many years ago now has not been fulfilled. I'm still waiting. And I love these verses. Uh, there's definitely a very traditional way to see them and to preach them and to speak about them. But please, this morning, bear with me. Hear my musings about hope and faith as this scripture has actually been wrestling with me in this season. And so here is another prayer. Breit aus die Flüglein beide, O Jesu, meine Freude, und nimm dein Küchlein ein. Will Satan mich erschlingen, so lass die Englein singen, Dies Kind soll unverletzt sein. Amen. You may have realized that you don't understand a word of what I just said. Or maybe you're a German speaker and you understood every word. You know, I'm an immigrant and I come from Germany. And this prayer was a prayer that my Oma, my grandmother, always prayed for my sister and I every night that I can remember as long back as I can remember before we went to sleep. And just as you just heard from me, I remember every word of it. I remember every word of it. My grandmother stopped living with us when I was about 12, but even though she was gone, that prayer lived in me. And I said it to myself every night. I couldn't sleep until I had said it. And when I moved out, went to college, married, had children, guess what? I still needed to say that prayer to get to sleep. My grandmother had faith. Faith begins as hope, and it's unseen. Faith is a memory, 
a remembrance, something memorized. At times, faith is elusive. And at other times, it almost suffocates us in the very best way <laughs> with its reality. And I also really want to state something that faith is not. Faith is not certainty. Faith is not certainty. So this weekend, Friday and Saturday from 7.30 in the morning, because this conference began in, in Eastern Standard Time, until about 3, I watched the Evolving Faith Conference. It was a series of speakers. And they said so many things that reminded me of this chapter of Hebrews about faith. They said so many things that reminded me of my Oma, my grandmother. In fact, uh, many times when I worship and I raise my hands up in the air and I clasp them together in a certain way, the way I saw my Oma do so many times in her life, I feel her. I, I feel her in that moment. She lives on in me. She's my ancestor. She's my ancestor. She's my ancestor in my blood and in my faith. And back to the conference, it began almost immediately with these words, we had hoped. And then I was invited. I was invited to interrogate my expectations of Jesus. Interrogate. That's not being kind of curious or asking a nice question, but is to fire a volley of thoroughly thought out questions and then to demand an answer. I'm thinking of like a policeman interrogating a suspect. Do I really get to do that with Jesus? Can I do that? Can he take it? And then can I dare to hope that Jesus is who he says? Can I dare to hope? And remember that that's really where faith begins. It begins with our hope. And what is hope? We fight, we suffer, we contend, and we grieve for our hope. It's defiant, it's resistant, it's rooted in our grief, our anger, our despair, our suffering. And it's not finished with me yet. And I'm going to say hope is not finished with you either. And no matter how hopeless we may feel in any given moment, it is not finished with us. And when it disappoints, we hope anyway. Sometimes our cynicism is just that. Hope that's just hasn't come to fruition yet. And as we choose, as we say yes to hope, oh, in this crazy way, it turns into faith. And I would assert that the best kind of faith is the one that adapts to change. It adapts to change in order to survive. And Sarah Bessie called that evolving faith. Faith in the God of disappointed disciples, 2020 disciples. Us, me, you, followers of Jesus, masked, six feet apart, singing only in the shower, hearts broken by the racial tensions and the hurting people that we see all around us, by the violence. Some of that violence is in our homes, by fires destroying homes and forests, an earthquake in California, an election, 
And I even read this crazy little blurb that said a meteor might strike the earth the day before we vote. Hope. Faith. One of the speakers, Chaniqua Walker Barnes, proposed that we are in a collective wilderness together. And the wilderness keeps coming around. She said, there is no promised land. So she advised us to quit looking for it and to make peace with the fact that we, you and I, we, people of the way, Christians, followers of Jesus, we are wilderness people. We are people always in exile. Many, if not most of us, were conceived, birthed, raised in the wilderness for so many reasons. Because of our beliefs, our bodies, the color of our skin, our immigration status, our queerness. And as, as such, we are meant to journey not away from, but into the wilderness the place of exile, and there we're called to live well. That's where we choose hope. That's actually where we learn it, and that's where we receive faith. Because guess who is in the wilderness with us? God is in the wilderness. But we we want to live in the befores. <laughs> Before 2020, please. We, we use language like, can life get back to normal, whatever normal was? Only it will never be before. All I've got, all you have, is Jesus and after. The befores are really a lot like that uh, kind of incomplete gospel that Rob Smith was teaching about a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's not such an extreme prosperity gospel that we demand a Land Rover in our um uh, driveways or a Kardashian bank account, but it's a lot like, oh, God wants you to be healed. You're not meant to suffer. If you really had faith, that illness would leave you. Life will work out. Christian formulas, Christian platitudes, statements like when we lose a child, oh, angel has gained another heaven. No, heaven has gained another angel. Also no, because that isn't, that isn't biblically or theologically correct. Our child has died, and we need to grieve, not on a timeline, not neatly, not with an end time. And how about that part where we're never supposed to fight with our spouses or our friends or our roommates before church? <laughs> but we do anyway, and then we drive up and act as if everything is fine. But COVID has improved a lot of that for us. We can fight and streamline, streamyard, whatever we're doing here, um, church. But the reality, people, family, beloved, is that life is precarious, inherently insecure. Remember, that's where we began this morning. We're anxious and we feel insecure. And life has always been that way. And like always being in exile, always being in the wilderness, how do we live inside of precarity? Which, by the way, means lacking in predictability, lacking in job security, lacking in material welfare, lacking in psychological welfare, precarity. 2020, we are living in the year of precarity. 
And I assert that we do so with hope and with faith. Again, because that's where God is. And he asks us to build a home, to plant a garden. And what does home look like? Crazily, it looks like Jesus. Because when we are with him, we can be most authentically and fully ourselves. I can be me. I can name and rename what is true. I can see things as they really are. I don't have to lie to myself or to others. Radical, gorgeous, compassionate, honesty is home. And then there's that sense of knowing that I belong and that I'm loved for my full self. Where I can speak with love and kindness to my body, to every wound and scar, that is a mark of my survival in this wilderness, in this exile, hope and faith. Now I've got a question here. Do we care enough about our faith to wrestle with it? And for me, so many times that means we take on scripture or we let scripture take us on, which is what's been happening to me with this particular, this particular piece of Hebrews. Not the take the pastor has on scripture, by the way, not even the take the commentator has, but we take on the wrestling. And then we look at it. We look at the word of God historically. We examine its social location our social location. We look at the context and what it might have meant to Jesus. Have you ever considered what the book of Hosea might have meant to Jesus? Can we debate it with one another? Try to interpret it, continue to debate it, knowing that in the end, our faith will increase. And isn't that what we are needing and hoping for? Remember here that as Jesus followers, we worship that. Actually, we worship who the Bible, Scripture, points to. We do not worship the Bible. That would be idolatry. But we wrestle with it, and we wrestle some more with this touchstone in place, this, this true north, and it goes like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, show me that, God. We read with humility, knowing we might be wrong, knowing that, in fact, we will never be fully right. Bible's clear on that one. We allow the stories in the word of God to surprise us again. We hope and then faith is built. And we do this together, you guys, in community. We do this with one another because you see what I cannot see. Each of you sees something that I'm going to miss. And this is probably an unashamed plug for doing Bible study together in small groups, which we can do in 2020 in the midst of COVID and Let's not call denial hope. God wants us to see things and name them the way they truly are. I know I've said that. And we also don't need to see our side. We don't need our side to win because that always means that another side has to lose. 
That is not hope. Anticipatory hope is not what we want. Participatory hope is what builds faith. We participate in hoping together. We get to hope as a community. We get to hope as a group of friends, as a Bible study, as a family. God asks us to participate with him in the redemption of all things. The stories and visions of those who were faithful, all those stories that I didn't read in the scripture, they have turned our world upside down. And by faith, we're going to do it again. Can we imagine together? Can we actually trust that God gives us an imagination? Can we imagine together what it means to build or rebuild and rebuild again a faithful, hopeful, faith-filled community full of, full of love, full of justice, full of houses that have been built and gardens that have been planted in the wilderness, vulnerable, human, broken, goofy. That's where I think the Lord builds his church. And then let's go back to the ancestors because Hebrews 11 is a list of our ancestors. My Oma, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your great-great-grandparents who hoped for you and for me and built lives and loves out of their faith. They saw a future with the eyes of the Holy Spirit. They had dreams that were rooted in hope. In fact, our hope comes more from our visions and dreams than it does from reality anyway. The ancestors in the faith that are mentioned here, I'm going to name names here, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, they all died without receiving the full promises. They only caught a glimpse. Then there's Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and I'm going to add a few Genesis women. Shipra and Pua and Jochebed and Miriam, Zipporah and Rahab and many, many more men and women throughout the history of this faith that is ours. God commended them and he commends us for our faith, but they didn't receive what was promised. The promises they heard were never fully realized like us they journeyed as strangers and exiles in the wilderness longing for home and we can see the promise the promise of being home with jesus i shared with you that promise uh, that i heard from god i'm 72 i have yet to see it fulfilled what promises have you heard what have you held on to or have you given up hope? Would you pick it up again? Can our trials in this year of 2020 strengthen our hope and transform into faith? And remember, faith has nothing to do with certainty. We stand surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, all those who have gone before us and family the life of faith is not a sprint. It is a marathon. We run a race, whether it's 45 AD, 2000, 2015, 2020. 
and we run it as well as we can, knowing that we hand our batons to others who will take the next leg, just like we received the baton. We are meant to leave legacies. We are meant to become ancestors, knowing that our hope and our faith is not in vain, but it is in the pursuit of love and freedom and life abundant. My Oma died when she was 91. For sure, she handed me a baton. <laughs> My sister as well. And one of the last things she said right before she died was that she saw the heavens open up and there was a gallery of countless people surrounding her. She said that she saw kings and queens. She saw that great cloud of witnesses. What a gift that was to her. And that prayer, it always gives me hope that I am and can be a woman of faith. I'm going to read it to you in English. Spread wide your wings, O Jesus, my joy, and shelter therein your little chick. If Satan wants to devour me, let the angels sing out, this child is unharmed. We are surrounded by an army of witnesses. We get to say yes. We get to say yes to hope and to faith. They've run the race and they have finished well. And it's our turn. Amen. Jesus, um, I'm so grateful for you, for the comfort that you give us in our anxieties and insecurities, the way that your promises that no matter where we are in exile, in the wilderness, in our lives, Lord, you are with us. So, so grateful for that. And now let's sing a song together with Vanessa. <laughs> 